I'm Ed Gross, and you're listening to CloserWeekly.com's classic TV and film podcast, where we celebrate the golden age of television and movies, then and now. When you're talking to actress Juliet Mills, you can't help but feel there's still some magic afoot, and not simply because she starred in the classic sitcom Nanny and the Professor. It has more to do with the fact that, at 77, she remains so charming and so active. Currently, she's on tour in the UK with the stage version of Alfred Hitchcock's The Lady Vanishes, which just happens to co-star her real-life leading man, Maxwell Caulfield, to whom she's been married for the past 39 years. Well, despite that schedule, Julia took the time to be our guest on the Classic TV podcast to reflect on Nanny, Love, Passions, the soap opera, the fact that Phoebe Figalilli is indeed a silly name, and so much more. Thank you for being so willing. I appreciate it. Of course, yes. I'm sorry I had to mess you around, but things just kept coming up. You know, they keep us busy here trying to promote the play, of course, to get bums on seats, as they say. Bums on seats. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> how is the? How are you enjoying the play? Very much, actually. Very, very much. It's, it's a wonderful adaptation of a m- wonderful movie. And... Um, it's a, the audiences just love it. So we're getting full houses and rousing receptions uh, at the end. So it's very nice. And of course, I'm touring with my husband. So that makes it even more fun, you know. That's what I got to say. You guys have been married for so many years. It's not only do you <laughs> like each other, but you're touring a play with each other. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's a pretty good test, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we've been married, well, it's 39 years this year, actually. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. I can't believe it. Neither can Maxwell. <laughs> We're very lucky. What is the secret? I mean, is there a secret or is it just to love each other and that's it? Well, I think if you're lucky enough to, you know, meet your soulmate and uh, you have a lot in common and... um you're prepared to work at it, you know, when times get tough and uh, you'd really rather be with that person more than any other person to share everything, whether it's good times or bad times, you know, sunrise and sunset, that, that's pretty much the test, I'd say. Absolutely. And it's, and it's obviously yeah. it's all there. So that's wonderful. Yes. <laughs> Thank good. goodness. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You know, I was thinking, you know, when I originally contacted you, you know, obviously that damn nanny and the professor, which won't go away. Uh, <laughs> <the next laughs> no, year- no, I'm I'm very proud of it and have very, very happy memories of it, of course. Well, good. I mean, because next year it turns 50 and that's amazing to me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, you know, I'm still recognized all over the place for that, for that as much as anything I've ever done. It's extraordinary, really. Um People just hear my voice and they turn around and they go, Nanny. <laughs> and I go, oh, my God. Uh, you know, and it was a family show. And I think families enjoyed it together. And it brings back happy memories. Absolutely. But when somebody does say that to you, Nanny, after all these years, do you, do you either have the reaction of, oh, this is wonderful or get a life. It was 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have I, I have the reaction of that. That's amazing. That's wonderful. I'm I'm, I'm happy you remember Phoebe Figalilli so affectionately. <laughs> and it's a silly name, you know, that according to the song. <laughs> I know, it's a very well, silly name. yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, that's in the song, isn't I, it? That's what Phoebe I'm saying. Phoebe Figalilli is a, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which is a delightful song, by the way. That song is still, it's like, what do they call it, an earworm? You know, once it starts and you start hearing it, like it's stuck in your head and you can't get rid of it. Um, yes, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, that show, Nanny the Professor never had the afterlife, the syndicated life that, say, the Brady Bunch did or the Partridge family did. Yet, no. But yet it is so remembered and beloved by people. You know, well, it did. It did have a lot of reruns. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's it was rerunning forever. But we didn't do it quite enough shows for a syndication. Um, we did two and a half seasons. We did sixty four shows, I think, uh, and that I don't know what what is enough for syndication, but I I, I believe it's three years. So we just missed out on that. And, right. I think the main reason that it, they took it off was because they moved it to Monday night, which is, as you know, football night. Right. And it was never on at the same time because it always depended on how long the game went on. And uh, so I think that's really what happened because nobody could ever understand with it being such a successful series, why they took it off the air. But, um, we were on Wednesday nights, you know, the ABC lineup with the Partridge family and... Um, the Brady Bunch. Uh, Brady Bunch, exactly. And we took the night, ABC took the night always uh, at that prime time. And uh, it was it was a huge hit. I, I, I wasn't ready for it at all. I came over from England very green. I, I was doing a play in the West End called She Stoops to Conquer with Tom Courtney. And I did a screen test for Nanny and um, got the part. And I was absolutely astonished and astounded. And I didn't really know whether I wanted to go to Hollywood and do all that. I had a career in the theater in London and um, I'd done a few English films, but my, my, my real professional life and joy was in the theater but mm. my father really convinced me to to go and do the show uh he felt that it would you know give me a tremendous exposure that i would never get just being in the theater in london and that um it, it would be it would be a great um step for me and uh, he really did persuade me and of course it did change my life because I never I did come back to work but I never came back to live and it wasn't that I wanted to emigrate or anything like that it just sort of happened that way and I I just kept getting other work there. So I just kept staying. And suddenly I realized that I loved California. And, uh, you know, I bought a house and suddenly there I was living there. (laughs) Now, do you still have that house? I mean, do you still live in California? No, actually, I don't. Um, We live now in um, just close to Santa Barbara, which is about uh, 90 miles north of Los Angeles. Uh, we we've lived there now for about eight years, and we just wanted to get out of LA, you know, uh, into a more of a country life. Uh, it's a place called Ojai. I don't know if you've heard of it, but um, it's about eighty miles north and eleven miles inland from Ventura. So it's close to the ocean, but it's a little village. It's a beautiful little village, and. We have a house with a big garden, and that's what I wanted. So, so we moved. 
but only after I'd finished Passions, because while I was doing Passions, I couldn't do anything but live in L.A. Because, you know, I had to be on the... I was on call all the time and worked harder than I've ever worked in my life. <laughs> well, I, and I want to—I do want to talk to you about passions, uh, but let me let me ask you this: um, what you, your father said, "Hey, do the show, do the show." So I guess in the long run, Dad was right. <laughs> it was the right decision to make. Yes, I think I think it was. I mean, uh, I've been very lucky. I've had a wonderful career, and and um, I can still come back and work in England, which I do. And, um, you know, I love, uh, I love living in California. My, my kids were born there. And, um, so I feel, yes, um, well, it's too late now. To <laughs> yeah. It'd be kind of like a long life of regret if that was the case. Yes. yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. What was it? I mean, okay. You're, again, you were encouraged to do it, but what was it about the project itself that you found interesting? Well, it was a wonderful shooting. part. I mean, she, the character appealed to me, you know, the magical nanny and, you know, talking to animals and knowing when the, somebody was coming to the door, all that ESP. And uh, I, I'm a, I'm a believer in all that anyway. I've always oh. believed in magic. And uh, so it, the character very much appealed to me and, um, uh, it was beautifully written. The pilot was wonderful. I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, we did a pilot, and I worked with Richard Long, who became a great friend of mine, and um, it, it, uh, it, it all seemed right. And it was a very, very happy time when I was doing it, I must say. And it led to other things too. So it was a, it was a great, uh, it was a great stepping stone for me. Oh, sure. You know, it's funny, though, because I, I mean, even as a kid watching the show, I remember saying, thinking to myself, is she magical? Is she not magical? What's the story? It seemed like they downplayed like it, this was the time of, I guess, I Dream and Genie was ending, but which was sort of coming yeah. towards its end. So it seemed like they were downplaying the magical element a little bit. A little bit. I don't think they wanted it to be like, you know, Genie in the bottle and all that, that magic. I think they wanted it really just to be sort of that you know, second sense, sort of uh, knowing about things before they happen, knowing people that you'd met before in another life or ESP, or, or, you know, more the metaphysics, but but not quite so far out as, you know, weaving spells like Tabitha. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and also with the behind the scenes on that show, I mean, was it, I mean, I assume since they were kids and stuff, everything went nicely behind the scenes. Was it a challenging show? Was it just fun? I mean, how, how do you remember those? It was things? really fun. We did used to do some uh, exter exteriors very close to Fox Studios, and I lived right there, very close to Fox. In fact, the first year, I rented a house that was uh, actually David Cassidy's house, uh, Shirley Jones's house, and um, in Cheviot Hills, which is literally three minutes down the road to uh, to Fox, where we shot it. And oh. I found out on the first morning that they were using the next door house as the nanny house. And that was in the first season uh, as exteriors. So. I literally had to sort of roll out of bed and go next door to do some uh, exteriors. After the first uh, 13 episodes, they built 
the house on the soundstage, you know, because it was cheaper. But uh, that was a strange coincidence. So, you know, that's what Nanny was all about, strange coincidences. And you could call it magic or, or not. But um, it, it, it was always a very happy set. Lovely to work with Richard, who was a wonderful, like comedian, a lovely man, and uh, all of his family became friends. And um, and you know, it was still Hollywood at a time where it was still a small town and um, a lot more glamorous than it is now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Richard Long yeah. is somebody who I always was intrigued by. I mean, obviously, he passed away very young. Uh, Very. Yeah, but but he's always an actor that just, I, it's a shame because I feel like he's been forgotten and that's awful because he really was a good actor. Oh, he was. He was a, he was a gig young type, you know. He was a wonderful light comedian and uh, I think if he'd lived, you know, he was only 47 or 43 or something when he died. So I think if, he, if he'd, you know, he'd lived longer, he would have been more appreciated uh, because he was, he was, uh, he was really uh, marvelous, uh, marvelous, had wonderful comedy timing and uh, just a lovely guy too, sweet guy. Was there on the show a, a hints of, because I don't remember to tell you the truth, hints of a, a possible romance between the two characters, between Nanny and the professor? No, this was, you see, this is another thing I think that that they they made a mistake in, okay. in not allowing a romance. They were so prudish in those days. I mean, I, yeah. if there was a scene where if I came out of my bedroom in the night or, you know, I had to have a nightgown up to my neck and down to the <laughs> ground, you know, I could only offer him a cup of tea after work, not a drink. And, you know, they played down, but everybody... And towards the end of the series, everybody was saying, when are you and the professor going to get together? You know, you're so great together. <laughs> and we obviously had a wonderful rapport. Nanny and the professor were were great together, but they didn't write it. And and I think it was network decision, uh, not A.J. Carruthers, who was a very romantic uh, writer and a good writer. Um, I think that's really uh, one of the reasons that another of the reasons that it that it um, ended when it did, because people expected Nanny and the professor to start having a little romance. Yeah. You know, yeah. You certainly got the hints of the little teases of it, but it didn't really go very far. My memory of it anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, but it was never really in the script. I think it was between Richard and me that, was, yeah. you know, just it was also obvious that they really li liked each other and had a lot in common as far as their humor and everything. Um, so, you know, and the kids, you know, they were like husband and wife looking after the kids in a way. Yeah. So it, it was a natural progression that wasn't allowed. Right. And that's, uh, you know, that was, I think, part of the problem. You, you know, it's amazing. It shows you how how regressed I think television was at the time. When Archie Bunker flushed his toilet on an episode of All in the Family, that was considered groundbreaking. <laughs> well, you know, there you are. That's a that's a perfect example. You know, it's just just ridiculous, actually. Yeah, Jeannie <laughs> couldn't have a belly button. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yes, of course. Crazy, yeah, crazy yeah. Stuff. Yes. So, uh, you know, and and you know, how were the kids? I mean, obviously, <laughs> the the paths they went on weren't so great. Uh, and I'm not going to get mired in that, but I'm just curious what it was like working with the kids. 
They were wonderful, really. They were they were uh, very uh, professional and very good. Particularly, I like Trent Lehman, who was uh, played Butch. He was the middle one, and uh, he was a really fine little actor. Uh, he died really young too. Um, I'm afraid uh, David Doremus was good, but he wasn't uh, committed in the way that Trent would have gone on to be being an actor, I think. And of course, uh, little Prudence, little Kim, was um, you know spoilt little little girl really. But but she was sweet, and she and um, she was you know they were all very good very good yeah. and uh, they were they were lovely to work with and we had some fabulous guest stars on that show you know i met all sorts of wonderful luminaries you know ida lupino and ray bolger and elsa lanchester and i mean just just wonderful uh, actors came. of course my dad came on and did a did a guest shot right. too which they wrote specially for him at my request yeah, well, it's good they listen. Seriously, hey, it's only fair. Dad got you into the show in the first place. Dad should get a role on the show. <laughs> yes, really. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. With with uh, you know, we alluded to some of the stuff with with the kids. Was it for you just as an outsider at that point in their lives and stuff? Has it was it shocking to you at all that sort of like Kim's problems? Uh, his... Afterwards, you mean? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I yes, I suppose so. I mean, in some ways, but you know, children brought up, you know, acting so young and everything. I mean, there's a lot of traps, uh, yeah. and um, if they don't have the right, you know, family environment, if they're not very solid family life which is what we all had with my parents. You know, we, uh, I think, you know, fame never went to our heads in the sense that we, daddy always said, you know, we're so lucky. It's a job. You treat it like a job, but we're so lucky to be doing what we love to do and be paid for it. And, you know, and, and not be treated like anybody else, you know, not, not expect to be treated like a star, you yeah. know, that's all a big mistake, especially if you're only six. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there a Mary Poppins influence on Nanny at all? Cause that was the same. I don't, I don't, no, I don't really think so. Okay. I mean, uh, you'd have to ask AJ Carruthers that, but I don't really think so. Yeah. I certainly didn't, uh, you know, base anything on, on Mary Poppins. I mean, she really was, that was a whole different thing, and I, 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 I really don't think so. I think it was his original creation that wasn't particularly influenced by uh, by Mary Poppins. No, okay. I'm sure you've heard that though over the years, right? Oh no. Yes, yeah. yes, I have. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, we alluded on or tapped onto this a little bit earlier. The fact that the show is going on in the sense of people's imaginations, people remember it, they love it. Why do you think that is? What is it about this show that connects with people? Well, like I say, most, you know, it was a, it was a family show, but it was especially for kids. Uh, and uh, uh, I think a lot of kids that had a, a dysfunctional family loved it because they thought Nanny, Nanny was everybody's ideal of somebody coming into a house and cheering everybody up and making everything fun. And I think that the, it was watched 
um, by families, and it was a, uh, a a lot of people. It they it reminds them of their childhood and uh, happy times. That's that's what I think, really, basically. But you'd be surprised how many people say to me, "Oh, I, I, oh, I wished I'd so dreamed that you were my nanny," you know. So. <laughs> Now, how do you read that? Uh, <laughs> Different ways. Yes, I suppose so, right? Um, yeah, I'm sure. When a, when a 50-year-old man comes up to you and says, I wish you were my nanny, yeah, it's it's a little different. <laughs> you know, when, when the show ended, were you ready to move on? Were you, you know, wanted to stay longer? I, mean, when, I think we were all shocked actually and you know not ready to move on disappointed because um, it wasn't like you know the numbers and ratings and all that weren't good or anything so it was like suddenly the apps came down and you went what why but where you know haven't had time to say goodbye so um nothing none of us were ready but of course you know, it was only two years later that Richard died, so yeah. we wouldn't wouldn't have gone on that long anyway. <laughs> That's true. It's very true. Because, uh, you know, he did have a heart problem. He had his first heart attack when he was 30, and he didn't look after himself at all in the sense that he'd drank and smoked, drank yeah. 15 cups of coffee a day and cocktail started at 6. I remember when we were doing the last shot of the day, always, at 5.30, Richard would be saying, the ice is melting, come on, hurry up. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> and um, he, he burned his candle at both ends, and he he knew that he had a heart problem, but right. he said to me, well, I want to live the way I want to live. I want to live, you know, I don't, I don't want to be treat myself like an invalid. And I said, you know, I smoke too much and I drink too much and I drink too much coffee. So what, you know? Right. Well, you know, I don't know if he really thought that was going to end his life as soon as it did. But, but he did. He was, he was a, a happy guy. He lived a great life and he was full of life while he was alive. And, uh, and it was a very great shock when he died, I yeah. must say. You know what's so sad is when you watch things like that, when you see somebody, even if it seems innocent at the time, but you realize what ends up killing them. I, uh, the one that comes to my mind a lot is Rod Serling, you know, the creator of The Twilight Zone. The oh, man, yeah. The man always had a cigarette in his hand, was always smoking. Yeah. And he ended up dying at like 52 or something from heart, heart yeah. congestion because of the smoking. Yes, yes. Of course, people just... People didn't realize in those days, I suppose, you know, the damage it was doing because yeah. smoking was such a, a, a social oh, yeah. prop apart from anything else. I mean, everybody smoked all the time, right. everywhere, in films, on television, in the theater, on the trains, in the airplanes, everybody smoked, you know. And so I, I, I just don't think people you know, realize that the damage that it, it can do. Right. No, absolutely. You know, after yeah. Nanny, a few years later, you end up, I don't know if it's a few years, more than just a few, but you end up on Passions. Now, Nanny is yeah. uh, obviously an eye-opener for you because of the idea of doing a weekly television series. What yeah. is it like for you, in terms of eye-opening, doing a soap opera? <laughs> That's got to be. Oh, that was, that, that was eye-opening in, in terms of work. Yeah, I have never worked so hard in my life. I mean, and we did it. We it was almost nine years we were on that show, wow. and um, 
uh, it was, um, you know, nanny. We'd we'd shoot a half hour show in in, a, in for five days in a week, right. filmed. It, it soap operas, you know, you do an hour show a day. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, it ends up as forty eight minutes because you have, you know, commercial breaks and all that. But still. It's 48 minutes of screen time yeah. a day, and that's a lot. And, of course, I found it especially hard because um, Tabitha was always talking to inanimate objects and, uh, and, and the doll and weaving spells and talking to the bowl, and or, you know. So I had endless dialogue. I had monologues pages long. Wow. And uh, I, that was the hardest that was certainly was an eye opener to me. I thought, my God, these people really work. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, 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 and um, but you know, you, you just commit to it, and you think, well, this is what I'm doing right now, and I've got to just focus on it, and and that it, it takes over your life. There's there's not time for anything else. That's for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I used to go home at the end of the week with five scripts under my arm that I'd have to work on during the weekend to at least have a smattering of each one of them, uh, as far as lines go. So it, it that side of it was was really a wake up call. <laughs> but it was a lovely experience. Wonderful. People I work with, some of them have remained very close friends, especially uh, Lisa de Cazotte, what she was, Lisa Hesse then, um, who was the executive producer, um, and, uh, you know, a, a few other people. But um, it was, we were a real crazy family, and it was a crazy show, especially at the beginning. NBC was spending a fortune. I mean, our, our productions were you know, the sinking of the Titanic and God knows what else. I was always, you know, playing somebody else, you know, if it was Rasputin's mistress or uh, Colonel Sanders even I played. I mean, I was always in long makeup sessions and prosthetics sometimes. And we worked late into the night sometimes on these um, and sure we're making good money because we were making overtime and everything but it, it was hard work very sure. hard work luckily I was living very very close to the studio so it would take me about 10 minutes to drive to work at the crack of dawn and 10 20 minutes to get home at night so I didn't have a, a difficult commute or anything but um, it was it was full on for the time that it uh, lasted. And that was a long time. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, you know. And yeah. at least with Tabitha, you know, you said you were into the whole supernatural thing and magic and all that. So at least you got to play a witch. That's got to be fun. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know. She, well, she was sort of nanny gone mad, wasn't she, really? It's <laughs> <laughs> a great way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great, great fun. Great the, sh fun. the show, my memory of, I mean, they even did a vampire storyline at one point, if I remember correctly, on that yes. show, right? Yes, oh, they, 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 did, they, they did everything, I think. I mean, it was really weird. They got really weird towards the end. I was having devil babies and all sorts of things. It was very, very peculiar. It was like that old show, Dark <laughs> Shadows. You know, I don't know if you remember Dark Shadows, <laughs> yes. but it's like that. Jeez. 
Now, yeah. listen, Ed, I must go pretty soon because um, I've got to go to the theatre at um, nearly five o'clock. So if there's anything else you craving to ask. I am um, craving to ask just this. When you look back at it all and all the hard work and the different roles and all that, how, how do you assess it when you look back at all you've accomplished as an actress? Oh, you mean in reference to Nanny or just yeah, as I a think whole? life in general, your career in general, life in general. I'm just curious yeah. how you look back at it all. Yeah. Well, I, I look back very gratefully. I've had a lot of wonderful opportunities. I've played some great characters. I, I, I started off in theatre. I, I did uh, some classical theatre. I'm still doing theatre. Um, I, I did a, a couple of wonderful movies with some extremely talented inspiring people and um i suppose looking back i would like to have done a few more films uh i'd like to you know do a couple of films now actually i mean uh, i'm a character actress now so uh that's actually what my agent's sort of looking for to uh, you know a little bit of character work in a cameo or something in a movie because I like doing film as well. I, in a way, film's the easiest of all. Oh, sure. You know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, how much time do you spend, you know, capturing pages of film? You have plenty of time. Yeah, uh, exactly, know, exactly. Know. And the theater's very demanding. You know, we've been doing this tour now for 20, 22 weeks. Wow. And um, we've moved, that's 22 cities in 22 weeks, and it's eight shows a week, and it's relentless. Yeah. I mean, uh, but um, but also wonderful, great, great experience, great fun, and there's nothing like the theatre for, you know, a live audience is, is still the most exciting thing of all to me, I sure. must say. I, and, mm. and I understand. Last thing is just your personal feeling about the fact that so many people were touched by your work. Well, that's a great compliment, and um, and I'm I'm very grateful to all the people who, you know, still hold me in in affection and uh, have good memories. Uh, it's um, very rewarding and heartwarming, and uh, I feel very very lucky. I must say. Long may the magic of Nanny and Juliet Mills continue. Please work a little magic of your own and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends about it and give us a five-star review. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.